your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, welcome to this Thursday afternoon episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Um, I don't know what's going on with my voice. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's sounding weird to you all. I definitely feel like I have like a cold of some sort. I, I don't think I have COVID. I'm fully vaccinated against it, even though I know fully vaxxed people can get it. Um, but I definitely feel off. Like, I don't know why my voice is sounding so um, cracked. No, I wouldn't say cracked, but it's just like it's feeling um, – feels like I have a sore throat even though I don't have a sore throat. But I don't have that feeling in my throat that I'm going to be getting a cold. So usually I can feel it coming. Um, I guess it's just, you know, I have a bad cough or something like that. But otherwise, I feel fine. Apologies for no episode yesterday. But today, we are going to touch on a lot of things, especially related to the Penguins, of course. Brian Russ season review will come into play, as well as uh, an expansion topic that I saw um, for the Athletic Today. I tweeted out a screenshot onto my Twitter. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're also going to touch on the GM of the Year award candidates and why this award is basically just a joke in itself uh, virtually every year because it's just – it's basically what team – gets to the final four. You know, I think that's basically the big thing when it comes to that award. You know, we'll also talk about what happened last night with Montreal Vegas and we'll also preview game three between the Islanders um, and the Lightning, which is tonight at eight o'clock. But okay, let's first get to the expansion stuff. So I saw this today. I tweeted this out. I think it was the um the athletic article with uh Dom um I think Clark is the last his last name is Clark. I think he's the um Avalanche reporter if I'm not mistaken. And then um, Deuce Hatchek. I, I can't, I, I don't even think I can pronounce his last name. I think he's the Ducks reporter, if I'm not mistaken. Let me actually like look at this real quick on the athletic app if I can um, load this up. I know this is such awful radio and I really apologize for this. Let me just go to this real quickly here. Yeah, so it's Ryan Clark, who is the Kraken reporter, excuse me. And then um, Eric is just a regular sports columnist for The Athletic. So my apologies on that. You know, Ryan does great work on The Athletic, and I can't wait to read his work for Seattle next season. Anyways, going back to what I was saying. So they're basically just going through team by team, uh, predicting what Seattle is going to do in the expansion draft, you know, what, what player they're going to pick. So Clark says, taking Jason Zucker comes at the cost of spending $5.5 million in cap space over the next two seasons, but it also comes with the benefit of someone who could possibly serve as a top six forward who has hit the 20-goal mark five times in his career. Um, I think Penguins fans and I think management would welcome uh, Seattle doing that. Again, it takes $5.5 million off of the Penguins cap for next season, which is huge, especially going into free agency. They will have some money to play with. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You know, a lot of times this team does not have a lot of money to play with in free agency just because, you know, obviously their core is locked up, but they've also had some bad contracts locked up uh, to some of the depth players. Zucker's contract maybe is one of those. I, I kind of want to see what he can do next season for this team and kind of prove that this season was an outlier. Um, but if Seattle does take Zucker, it's not going to really be the end of the world. I think Pittsburgh can replace him in free agency or via a trade. You know, that $5.5 million in cap space would be uh, very huge for the team. Still, I can't see Seattle doing that, but, you know, Clark, it, it makes sense from what Clark was saying. You know, he's a 20-goal mark five times in his career. He's a top six uh, winger. They could also potentially flip him at the deadline, eat half of his salary. So what's that $5.5 million? What is that? Um, 
2.75 million, 2.8 million, something like I think it's 2.75 million, I think is what it is. So, and I think teams would definitely take a gamble on that considering what Zucker has done for his career. Um, and he's also been a good player in the playoffs as well. Um, now we get to one of the other writers, not Dom, it's the other one that I touched on. Eric Duhatschek, he says here. Um, Tristan Jari grabbing a goalie from the Penguins worked out so well for the Golden Knights. It seems like a tried and true path. Okay, Eric. Uh, maybe let's lay off a little bit of the meth on that one. Um, you know, grabbing you know, Mark Andre Fleury was a different story. He was a very accomplished goaltender, and we all knew that the Penguins had to give up Fleury because you're not keeping an older goalie uh, when a younger one who just won you two Stanley Cups is right there. This is a totally different story. He then puts at the end, "Thank you, Rob Rossi." In case anyone did not see, um, Rossi in his piece last week for the Athletic Pittsburgh reported that he's been hearing that it sounds like Pittsburgh might not protect uh, Tristan Jari in the expansion draft and that they'll protect Casey DeSmith instead. That makes a lot of sense because, again, if Seattle somehow does take Jari, which is very unlikely, I think, in my opinion, that is then $3.5 million off the Penguins' cap next season. It also helps that uh, Teddy Bluger and Zach Asgris and Brandon Tanev will all be on the team next season. Sure, they'll have to go out and get a goalie, but there's a lot of veteran goalie options that are out there right now for Pittsburgh to go after, so this makes a lot of sense. Um, it's not going to work out uh, the way it worked out for Vegas with Marc-Andre Fleury. Tristan Jari is not that good. I mean, he, he, people are still sitting here saying, like, oh, yeah, he's a kid. He's going to figure out. I mean, people, he's 26. He's going to be 27. Um, this is the prime of this career. I understand goaltending, you know, it's very high variance. It's kind of random. You know, it's it's the, it's voodoo, as I like to call it on this podcast. And I know so many other people call it that as well. But I wouldn't expect Seattle to do that, especially with his results from the playoffs this year. I know that he was mostly good in the regular season outside of those first four to six weeks, but I really just don't see Seattle doing that with all the other options that will be available to them. Now, again, if they do do that, that would be awesome, but I don't expect that. And then Dom hits us with the most likely scenario, I think, and that's taking Zach Aston Reese. He writes, Pittsburgh has a lot of options here. I like Aston Reese a lot, an excellent four checker that fits the MO of some of the other players selected. He uses that ability to drive some of the very best defensive impacts in the league over the last couple of seasons, and that's worth an expansion selection. Dom is 1,000% right. He does have some of the best defensive metrics in the league. You will probably see him get nominated, well, Excuse me, you're not going to see him get nominated for the Selkie. You're going to see him get some Sel Selkie tr uh, Trophy candidate votes. Um, you, you may see him get... Usually when the ballots come out, I think it goes out to the top five. I definitely think you will see Zach Astromis get a few uh, fifth-place finishes. You know, he is really good in the defensive zone. He shows that every year with the numbers, with how... You know, he really does drive that line with Brandon Tanev and Teddy Bluger. You know, I know a lot of people say it's Tanev's doing or Bluger's doing it. And Bluger is a great center on that line, but I think Astromis really drives that defensive impact home on that line. You know, you take him out of that line um, and it looks completely different, at least um, in my opinion. So again, to wrap this up, uh, two of the options would be great, you know, especially taking Tristan Jari and you know, the Penguins go out, go out and get an actual starter and then Casey DeSmith can back them up. And if it's Jason Zucker, that's five and a half million off your cap. You can go after someone such as maybe Blake Coleman in free agency if you don't want to, well, I mean, it's probably going to be a bidding war for him, but if you can get him to take a cheaper deal, that would be awesome. There's other players such as Zach Hyman, even though I think he'll probably price himself out of Pittsburgh. You can use that cap space to do a lot of things, but again, the most likely scenario probably is Zach Astonis or even Teddy Bluger, you know. If the Penguins do go ahead here and protect, obviously, the big four, Jared McCann, Kisberry Kapanen, and Jeff Carter, that leaves Bluger and Aston Reese and Tanev exposed. I think in that scenario, you probably see Bluger selected over Aston Reese, but it would not shock me in the slightest if they did prefer Aston Reese because I touched on his defensive metrics are really good, as Dom also wrote. 
Um, and, you know, maybe Bluger is also past his peak years. Even though he is on a good contract, I just don't know if they really will pick him. In my opinion, I think they will if it's between him and Aston Reese. But again, wouldn't be surprised if it is Aston Reese in that case. This all goes to show everyone that I've been saying this for the last week or two. The Penguins are going to lose a damn good player in the expansion draft, and it is going to be hard to replace that player next season. I mean, if it's Zach Aston Reese, you got to go out and sign someone in free agency or, you know, elevate Frederick Goudreau to a more full-time gig as he was in the playoffs, and rightfully so. I think he needs to stay in his organization um, for, at least for the next couple of years. He's the UFA um, now. I'm sure the Penguins will bring him back on a cheap contract. You could also always bring, it, bring back Evan Rodriguez, Radim Zohorna. I'm sure is also ready. Samuel Poulin may make the team out of camp. Nathan Laguerre is going to be a strong option as well. So, you know, maybe they don't have to go out into free agency and get a bottom six option. But, you know, as Chad from the 412 Sports Talk uh, said last night, ULR Mia from Montreal makes a lot of sense. I'll probably have a more in-depth breakdown on him um, later on in the week or maybe next week, um, if you just go to his, you know, his page and you, you just look at his counting stats, um, you know, he is 6'4", 210 pounds. It, that fits the need to get bigger, as Brian Burke and Ron Hextall have said. He had 14 points in 41 games this year. Last year, 16 goals, 30 points in 58 games. If you go to um, his Corsi, 51.5%. So he was on the ice almost for almost 52% of the shot attempts. Last year was basically 52%, and in the year before, in 2019, it was at 53.4%, which was a career high. So um, this is a player that I think is definitely underrated in a bottom six role, and I think you could get him pretty cheaply. So that is a player I would definitely watch out for if the Penguins do lose someone like Aston Reese to expansion. I definitely think Hextall could go after someone like UL Armia. You can get him for maybe a one- to two-year deal. A couple million on the salary cap. That would make a lot of sense. And again, it fits the need to get bigger um, on the roster. You know, Not so much as getting tough, uh, but getting bigger, that's for sure. But okay, that wraps up this first segment of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Coming up in the next one, we will touch on Brian Rust's season review. Before we do that, it's time to talk about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. You can get the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC action. Before the next hit pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or phone and check out all the great sporting news. Sign-up bonuses and contest information. Head to the website or use your phone to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's better online. Your online sportsbook experts with the promo code locked on. All right, so welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So we continue our Penguins player season reviews with another top six four. This is the fourth one that we have done. Um, for the season reviews, and all four of them, of course, are top six forwards. And that today is Brian Russ, who goes into the last year of his current contract, where he makes three and a half million per, probably the best bargain contract in the league, in my opinion. And he again had another outstanding year. You know, you just you look at his playoff numbers. You know, played a hundred, a little over hundred minutes at five v five, was on the ice for sixty two point two percent of the shot attempts. I mean, that's blows away his career high from twenty sixteen when it was fifty four point five. Um, I know he was was on the ice for more goals against than goals for, but you know if you also looked at his expected goals for, 59% this year, that's second best from 2016. Um, scoring chances percentage, 62.6% of the scoring chances when he was on the ice. That's a career high. Um, high danger chances for 27 to 19. So he was on the ice for 58.7% of the high danger chances. Um, it did not get to the actual high danger chances. He was on the ice for three high danger goals um allowed and no high danger goals for but you know he was generating a lot it just you know 
Couple that with, you know, with bad goaltending and just Ilya Sorokin being insane on the other end. It's no wonder why he only had two goals and really just two points uh, in the six games. He was one of their best players and he played like it, you know, especially, you know, if you go to the regular season as well, you know, that's back-to-back -back almost 30 goal seasons, played almost 900 minutes at 5v5 ice time this year, was on the ice for 52.5% of the shot attempts, um, was on the ice for 40 goals for 32 uh, goals against for 55.5% of the actual goals. Um, if you go to his expected goals, a bit down from last year at around 51% last year, it was almost 56%, which was one of his best marks. Um, scoring chance-wise, uh, he was on the ace for 53.2% of those. Um, it was 54% last year. You know, he, he also goes out, out against the best competition night in and night out. So when you're around the 52, 53, 54% mark, um, that's usually one of the better marks in the league. He was also on the ice um, but this is one of the only years where it was below 50% for high danger chances for 48.9% uh, of the high danger chances for. But if you go to high danger goals for the actual goals was on the ice for 25 high danger goals for and 18 high danger chances against that goes from what he did last year, 32 high danger goals for. 23 goals again so he was at 58.18 for that last year 58.14 for that so you're basically going to see him uh, play like that I would think going into this season as well if you go to Micah's stuff with his isolated 5v5 impact plus 2.7% expected goals for that's up from 1.6% expected goals for last season and his defensive impact was right around where it was last season at minus 2.2% expected goals against this year minus 2.0% uh, um, expected goals against so it was only basically minus 0.2 um, percent difference so he had another really good year um, and you know the biggest question with this player going into this year what do you do with him in the offseason after the expansion draft do you trade him and get a good package in return for him or do you basically use him as a one-year rental and then let him walk next year because let's be real folks I've been talking about this on the podcast a lot in the last week or so if you have not listened to this this is my take on it they, there is no way the Penguins are going to be able to bring back Brian Russ next year. It's just not. It's just not going to happen. You have Chris Letang to pay. You have Evgeny Malkin to pay. Kasperi Kapanen's contract is up. Oh yeah, Jared McCann's contract I think is up next year. There's a whole lot of contracts that are going to be expiring in the next year, and you know Jeff Carter's contract is up. That you know they just won't have the space or the money to pay him. You know Brian Russ will go out onto the open market, and he will command. Upwards of five million, five and a half million per. He honestly could get six million per um, with the production that he has had. You know, he's a two-time Cup winner. A lot of GMs just kind of wet their pants when they see that. You know, I, I can't be you know too crass on the podcast, but you know, you, you get my drift. But he is a player that you could definitely get a first-round pick for, plus I think a top-nine forward. I 100% think that the Penguins could get that kind of package for him. Or if not, you know, a first-round pick and a forward, I think a first-round pick plus a prospect, um, in my opinion. You know, I did ask this question on the Lockdown Penguins Twitter. Would you look to trade him this offseason, or would you have him play out this season and try to go win the Cup and then have him walk? Alan Teodor says, I want him to play this season. If they want to win, I think they're better with him. You know, I do agree with that, but I also think if Ron Hextall wants to get back into the first round you know not just for this draft but you know for a draft down the line um you know i real or just honestly adding an extra pick down the line excuse me um i really think he would definitely look at that you know because considering he is a builder and you know this team is not going to be good long term he probably wants to corral as many picks as he can understanding though that this team is still in win now fried time says if you're still legitimately trying to win i think you have to keep him i think before he walks overall i do agree with that sentiment but if you can find a team that wants to overpay for him i think you do take that shot 
and then maybe go out and pay someone like Blake Coleman in free agency, or the player you get back in return has similar production to someone like Rostam. Anson Smith-Piper, I think, had the best answer to this. You should put him on IR and then sign him in the playoffs. <laughs> that gave me a good chuckle. Thank you for that, Anson Smith. They, they should totally circumvent the cap like the Tampa Bay Lightning did this year when they were basically $18 million over the cap in the playoffs as Nikita Kucherov uh, missed the whole season due to hip surgery and then, of course, is magically ready uh, for the start of the playoffs. Um. 4127224 Pitt asks, the question I have, are the Pens projected to be over the cap with Marino's contract coming into effect? Good question. No, they are not. Um, they will have cap space. It's not going to be a lot because, you know, that's just how the Penguins are. They're always up against the cap. But there will be um, room for the Penguins to create more cap space with offseason if they choose, especially, you know, if Jason Zucker is taken in the expansion draft. Say they maybe want to trade Marcus Pedersen and put P.O. Joseph in his spot. That makes sense if you want to try to find a team to take on Mike Matheson's contract. Not likely, but you could also do that. You remember, everyone, I've also said this a lot, too. Ron Hextall has no loyalty to these players. You know, he did not sign them. He did not train for a lot of these players, you know, except for Jeff Carter. You know, he obviously has loyalty to him. He's been in, he was with him in LA for a lot of years, but he just, he really has no loyalty to them. And I could definitely see Hextall trying to trade one or two players this season, uh, this offseason, excuse me, to create cap space. Pedersen and Matheson do make a lot of sense. There, there are ways to create cap space so the Penguins can play, well, so they can play, so they can be a bit of a, a factor in free agency. You know, you're obviously not going to go out and sign Dougie Hamilton or something like that. That would have to be very creative, in my opinion. But, you know, there there is a way, I think, that they could go out and maybe sign someone just, such as a Blake Coleman. They'll already have space for someone such as such as a Yoel Armia or some other, you know, middle-tier forwards that are going to be hitting the market this offseason. But if they want to create more cap space, um, they certainly can do that. But, yes, with Marino's contract coming into effect next season at $4.4 million, uh, they will still have cap space. You know, they, they already have some players leaving, especially with Seattle going to be taking someone, especially also if they help them out and take someone that has a decent amount of term and a, a decently high cap hit. But, yeah, to answer your question, they will still have cap space going into um, this season. It's just, you know, it's not a lot of some of the other teams. But, okay, before we do get to the next segment where I'm going to do a little mini rant on the GM awards and just, you know, why this award is a total joke. It's time to talk about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why into your often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand in their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. They're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. The prices are very low for every customer. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solutions to your auto part needs. You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, and you can write Locked On in their How Do You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, variety of low prices, all the parts you cover ever need. That is rockauto.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Lockdown Penguins Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Penguins. And a reminder, you know, if you haven't rated the podcast yet on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, please go do that. You know, if you want to give me a five star, you know, that'll obviously be awesome. Give me that. You know, if you want to give me a low star because you hate me so much, hey, you know, I, I get that. But I think if you hated me so much, I don't think you would be listening to this show. 
But anyways, you know, getting back to, you know, the GM award stuff. So the GM of the year award, you know, the finalists were announced today. It's voted on by the GMs. And for this year, they decided to vote on it after the second round, which of course, you know, that's just such a cop out because two of the teams that are in there, um, two of the GMs are, are finalists. And that's Lou Lamarello, excuse me, and Mark Bergerman. And it's so funny that, you know, you have all these, you know, Islander fans just, you know, defending Lou Lamarello anytime they get. And it's like, he really didn't do a lot for your team this season. I mean, that Paul Mary trade was looking so bad before he just finally turned into magic in the playoffs and has, what, seven goals now? I mean, he had three points in 19 games going into the playoffs. I mean, you don't just expect someone to score seven goals in the playoffs. I understand hockey is a high-variant sport. There's a lot of randomness to it, and it's a lot of luck-based. But, you know, any actual fan that watched the games could see that, you know, it, li- it likely wasn't going to happen with Palmieri, but, you know, the unexpected always happens with this sport. He goes in and plays some good hockey. You know, Travis Ajak looks cooked, whatever. But, you know, he traded Devon Taves over the summer to Colorado for two second-round picks. And, I, and then the Islander fans will say, well, he's their fourth to best defenseman on the team. And it's like, is he, though? You know, as, as from Thor Ragnarok, like, is he, though? I mean, he put up some elite numbers with Kale McCarr on the top pairing. I actually think that he would be... Um, just as good, if not better, than Ryan Pulak and Adam Pellock. I would put him definitely up there with those other two defensemen. I don't know what other defensemen that they think uh, Devon Taves would be better than, you know, other than those two. Um, but I think it's like almost like a 1A, 1B, 1C thing. And he got two second-round picks for them. I mean, that's just a terrible trade. I mean, like I said, yes, he did the Paul Mary trade. It's looking great now. But other than that, what did Lou Lamorello do? I mean, this is Barry Trotz's team. I mean, he's the main reason why this team is in the Final Four for the second consecutive year. They, they honestly should just nominate Barry Trotz for the GM of the Year award because he's done so well with them. I mean, that that is the reason why this team is so successful is because everyone has bought into his system. I mean, he's signed Leo Komarov to extensions. He signed Matt Martin to an extension when he doesn't really do anything. Cal Clutterbuck's not good anymore. I mean, he still has Andy Green on his team when he's not that good. So, I mean, because he made one move to get Kyle Palmieri, I mean, is, is that really why he's a GM of the Year finalist? I really don't understand it. No, Mark Bergman's the same way. You know, this award is really just the other GMs just bootlicking their friends, saying like, hey, you know, I'll nominate you. You know, your team is doing really good. I'll put you up for an award that you really don't deserve. You know, I, if anything, I think Julian Risbaugh should be a nominated because... Um, he basically circumvented the calf and he just invented new ways for the Lightning to be successful. Um, you know, same with Joe Sackick. I mean, he robbed Lou Lamorello uh, from Devon Taves, um, basically robbed the Blackhawks of Brandon Saad. I, who did they, I think they gave up Nikita Zadorov uh, to get Brandon Saad, who was a really good player for them and is going to be a UFA um, this offseason. And yes, I will be talking about Brandon Saad on this podcast uh, for a later date, as if, if that makes sense for the Penguins and if they could afford him. And I understand a lot of the Yinzers will be going crazy. Uh, as you know, hashtag bring Saad home, uh, since he is, of course, from the, the, the Pittsburgh area. Anyways, going back to what I was saying, you know, he makes a lot of sense. Other GMs that I think make sense as well. I mean, hell, you know, put Ron Hextall there, traded for Jeff Carter, and, you know, that's all she wrote there. He honestly deserves more credit than Mark Bergman. And, you know, he was honestly one overtime loss away from, I think, being fired. I mean, you know, three games to one overtime in Toronto. You know, this worked uh, about a minute in. And then game six, Toronto dominates that whole OT. Kakiemi takes advantage of a bad turnover. And then, you know, we all know what happens in game seven. But, you know, if, if Montreal loses one of those two OT games, which is basically a 50-50 coin flip anyway, I mean... You are literally talking about Bergeron being fired after this. I mean, is is that really are we really nominating someone two rounds later for GM of the Year award when he easily could have been fired after the first round? It's just the, the logic really makes no sense. This award is always one of the most overrated awards 
um, of the year. I think even just a few years ago, two of the finalists for the GM of the Year award were Pierre Dorian, who gave Mark Stone away to the Vegas Golden Knights for pennies on the dollar, and then Peter Shirelli, who is not even in the league anymore as a general manager. So that just goes to show how stupid this this award is. I mean, David Poyle was also a, a GM of the Year candidate, and then you know he gave out so much term to Matt Duchesne and uh, other players on their team so this award is always a crapshoot like i said it's just a lot of bootlicking from the other gms in the league who have good relationships with their friends as gms they're not really actually diving into seeing oh you know what what good move did this gm make you know how did it improve their team you know well what are they doing now it's just like oh you made the final four okay here's a gm of the year award i mean for god's sake people jim rutherford was um the, a GM of the year, a year candidate. I mean, I know that came during 2016 when he actually he actually deserved it that year. I mean, the, the David Perron for Haglund trade, getting Nick Benino, trading for Phil Kessel, Trevor Daly. You know, that was actually well-deserved. That's probably one of the more deserving GM of the year award being given out. But like this year, it's just like, okay, I mean, literally, what are we doing here? Um, there's also Bill Zito. He actually should, I think, win the award. He got Patrick Hornquist, of course, from Pittsburgh. He he was really good um, for them this year. Uh, signed Carter Verhage, Anthony Duclair. Um, I think Owen Tippett made the team this year, if I'm not mistaken. You know, he I think he did a really good job. Brought up Spencer Knight uh, after signing him in the offseason. So he definitely, I think, should win the award, even though his team did not make it out of the first round. The other two GMs, um, I don't think, deserve this award at all. I mean, Montreal literally finished 18th in the league. I know they're in the Final Four, but, you know, it, it took a, a Toronto Maple Leafs collapse and then Mark Shifley just you know, taking himself out of the series for them to get to the Stanley Cup semifinals. You know, I understand you're going to have some of the media just bootlicking for Mark Bergevin and talking him up and blah, 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 blah. And the same with Lou Lamorello. But, you know, it's just this award has always been a joke. And, you know, you all, you always have a segment of each fan base defending them no matter what, just because, you know, that's, that's who they are. You know, they're, they're fans for a reason. Anyways, this award is a joke, you know. Um, before we do end this podcast, though, uh, Tampa Bay Islanders game three tonight. I have Tampa Bay winning that game. I will stick with the Lightning in six. I also will stick with the Vegas Golden Knights in six games, even though Montreal did win game two. I do have Tampa Bay winning game three at the Coliseum tonight, and I do have Vegas winning game three at the Bell Center on Friday, even though the Bell Center will definitely be rocking, I think, on that night. I can't wait to see how the atmosphere will be there. I don't know how many fans they're allowed there just because Canada's different with COVID, but no matter how many they put in, it's definitely going to be a raucous atmosphere. And also, you know, especially with the Coliseum tonight as well. But that'll do it for this episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. I appreciate you all listening to this one, and we'll do another one of these tomorrow uh, to send you all into the weekend. So I'll talk to you all then.